What's up, everybody? It is your boy, Tony T-Time West, man. And I'm on episode eight of Talks with T-Time, man. So excited to have you guys back, man. Very, very eventful week in sports, period, man. We just got to have a, a big time talk about it. Obviously, we're going to talk about the NBA playoffs. Also, as well, we're going to talk about the uh, the draft lottery that took place on Tuesday night. And then also, as well, we're going to talk about... Um, we're going to talk a little bit about New York sports today. I want to I want to dig into that a little bit. Also, today we are exactly a hundred days away from my favorite sport in the world, which is college football. So we're going to talk on a little tub, a subject on college football, and then we'll jump into the popular culture news. We have to have a discussion about this abortion thing, and I don't want to get too deep into it. And then also as well, we have to have a discussion about all these rappers getting shot at. Um, so we'll talk about that, but let's jump into the sports side of things first. So obviously the playoffs has been going on with what I call the final four of the NBA finals. We're finally here. We're at the final four. We have Portland and Golden State remaining. And also as well, we have Milwaukee and Toronto remaining. So I want to get into the Golden State series a little bit. Um, I feel like this series, I already kind of told you guys, I feel like this series was going to end in four or five. I think I said five on the last podcast, but this series is more than likely ended in five. And then also as well on, was that Tuesday? Yeah, that was on Tuesday. So it was after the draft on Tuesday, Golden State took the first, uh, you know, took the first game, which I kind of figured that would happen, to be completely honest. I kind of figured that was what was going on. They did take the win, 116 to 94. I mean, they mo- they controlled the game basically the whole entire time. Um, Steph Curry really showed out, kind of started to, you know, he's kind of starting to get his groove back. And I kind of figured that was going to happen. I knew he wasn't going to stay in a shooting slump for too long. He's finally starting to get his groove back. And uh, Clay Thompson also as well. And I mean, you can make the argument. I'm not saying that. I don't want to make this argument, but I'm saying that they kind of play a little bit more um, fluid without Kevin Durant, to me personally. But anyway, Steph Curry had 36 points. Um, he had a tremendous game, man. They really balled out. And then also as well, Klay Thompson had a good game, man. Um, also, like I said, this was this series is going to be over, like I said, more than likely in four or five games. Um, Draymond's also been stepping up as well. I like what Draymond has did in this uh, series, but with Clay having 26 and then also as well, Steph having 36, if they continue to dish that out every night, it's going to be hard to beat them. And then they're getting just enough from their bench as well. Cause even Quinn cook had eight points. Um, you know, guys like that coming in, contributing, that's going to make a difference. Even Looney having six points is a deal. So I think that's going to play a big role in what they do. Throughout this series, I just think personally, I, the Golden State's going to the finals. So I, I, I'm, I'm pretty set on that. They do play again tonight um, at nine o'clock. So they're about to kick it off probably here in about an hour and a half. Um, should be a pretty good game, but I do think that more than likely, once again, Golden State's going to win this in five. Um, at best, it's going to really depend though, because if Portland can surprise Golden State and get a win tonight. They kind of flip home field back into their advantage. They have played, from what I know, pretty well at home. So maybe they can continue that. But like I said, them getting two win, getting a win at Oracle, I just don't really see it happening. And then also as well, the Milwaukee Bucks 
went on and took on the Toronto Raptors and actually came from behind and got the win 108 to 100. I think the last three minutes and 40 something seconds of the game, um, the Raptors could not score. Kawhi Leonard struggled. He had a bad shooting night. He went 10 for 26. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. He did still have 31 points, but unacceptable. Kyle Lowry did drop 30 last night, though, but it still just was not enough. It was not enough for the Greek freak. And also, Brooke Lopez came alive as well. Malcolm Brogdon had 15 points. So everybody kind of contribute. It's going to be hard to beat that Milwaukee team. Like I told y'all in the last podcast, if everything is clicking, it's going to be hard to beat them. And right now, it seems like everything is clicking. In the fourth quarter, Milwaukee had 32 points. 32 points in the fourth quarter. I mean, they balled out in the fourth quarter. I mean, they really put it on on them in the fourth quarter. Throughout the first, really, three and a half quarters, Toronto was handling the game the whole way through. And it's like towards the end is where Toronto kind of lost it. Kawhi had a rough night. I don't expect him to have another rough night like that tomorrow. And he still scored, you know, 30 point, 30 plus points. But I don't expect him to have another rough night like that the next game, which I believe will be on Friday. So I don't I don't expect him to have back-to-back rough games like that. But that goes for the playoff series. So I just wanted to touch up on that. But you know what I want to talk about. I want to talk about this draft lottery situation. And it's going to lead into my next subject that we're going to talk about. But I want to talk about this draft lottery situation first. So we're just going to talk about the first five picks. New Orleans getting number one was a huge shocker. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. Also, as well, at two, the Memphis Grizzlies, who have already basically said they're taking John Morant for sure. At three, the New York Knicks. <laughs> oh, we got to have a conversation about the New York Knicks and New York sports in period, just in general. We have to have a conversation about that eventually. And then at four, which I thought to me was the biggest winner of the night, the Lakers at four is huge because I never expect the Lakers to even get in the top eight. The fact that they got into at four is huge for especially Anthony Davis trade bait and all that. Huge. And then at five, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, I want to talk about tanking first and then we'll get into the whole Zion Wilmington and what y'all really want to hear about. I think the NBA finally set it straight. Tanking is dead. I think at this point, tanking is dead. The three lowest teams, I believe, like record-wise, was the New York Knicks, the Phoenix Suns, and then also as well, the Cleveland Cavaliers. All of them, besides the New York Knicks, New York Knicks kind of lucked up, but I think the Suns got the sixth pick, and I want to say Cleveland got like the eighth pick or something like that. So they literally had, like I said, the worst seasons and still didn't draft well. So yeah, Cleveland had the fifth pick, and then the Suns, had the sixth pick, and, you know, it was just really crazy to see that tanking, to me, is dead at this point. It's really dead. The Bulls was another team that lost the draft bad. They had one of the worst records, too, and ended up at seven. I mean, and when we look at teams like New Orleans and Memphis, I think they both had, like, 33 wins, which isn't, it's not horrible, but it's not, I mean, it's obviously not good or great either, but it's like, uh, it's just okay. Cause if Memphis and 
and uh, New Orleans was in the East, they would almost be fighting for a playoff spot with 33 wins. I think the Hornets had like 36 wins this year, and they were right on the outside looking in. So I think they really kind of put a, a dead end to tanking, which I preferably like. I think that's pretty dope that they that now you can't really tank and just automatically get the first round pick like the 76ers have done for plenty of years, like Cleveland has done for plenty of years before LeBron came back. You can't do that anymore, and I think that's dope. Now let's jump into the whole Zion to New Orleans because we all know that's where he's going. Let's not even play around with it. He's going to be a Pelican come July 21st or whatever the date is. June 21st, sorry. He's going to be, he's going to be a, New York Pel- I mean, uh, a New Orleans Pelican. We all know that at this point. The only thing with Zion, I, I'm going to be honest, I have a soft spot in my heart for Zion Williams and John Moran, and I'll tell you why. Both of them are from South Carolina, all right? I was born in South Carolina, so I have a soft spot for both of those guys. John Morant being from like, you know, down on the low end of the state, down by Charleston, and also as well, Zion, really, he from, you know, Marion, South Carolina, which is kind of down that way too, but he grew up in Spartanburg for high school. With them, you know, being from South Carolina, they've had a, a soft spot in my heart for the last year now. The thing I worry about with New Orleans and Zion, I do not want it to be another AD situation where they just or Chris Paul situation where they put no help around him and he screwed stranded down there by himself in New Orleans with nothing to do. That's my only problem with the New York, the New Orleans situation. Because if they do him like AD again, which with David Griffin, that helps. I'm not even going to lie with David Griffin. That gives him a little bit of leverage. But you just don't want to see another AD situation again in six years where Zion's one of the best players in the NBA and he wants out. We don't want to see that again. I don't want to see that again. They did that with Chris Paul. They did that with Anthony Davis. I just don't want to see it a third time with Zion. Granted, I think things will be a tad bit different with David Griffin, a real executive. In the NBA, I think things could be different with him. Now, I'll be completely honest. I do think things will be different. I do. I think things will be different. But I'm just hoping to God they don't ruin this guy's, they don't ruin his career for seven or eight years going 26 and whatever, like, or 33 and 46, like they went this year, every year. I hope they don't do that to him. Praying and hoping they don't. Now, there is word on the street that the New York Knicks want Anthony Davis and that they're willing to trade that third pick to New Orleans. Now, if New Orleans does that, you're looking at, you know, Duke all over again. R.J. Barrett, who I think is going to adjust quicker to the NBA than Zion will. Now, do I, who, I, who do I think long-term is going to be the better NBA like superstar? Zion. But I'm talking about adjusting like in the next two years or so, or a year or so. I think R.J. Barrett is going to adjust quicker than Zion will. To be completely, I think he's going to adjust better than Zion will. That's my personal honest opinion. Now, if they do that, I would feel more comfortable at that point with Zion being in New Orleans. John Morant and Memphis. The only issue with that is because Memphis had some okay, decent teams when they had like Zach Randolph, you know, Gasol, Mike Conley. But with John Morant, he is going to be a another great point guard in the lead. 
You have to put some help around him, though. I mean, they do have Jaron Jackson as of right now. We'll see how he develops. And if they can just get one more good piece with John Morant, I'll be okay with him going to Memphis. But the New Orleans things, really, it really scares me. It really, really scares me for, for uh, Zion Williamson. It does. It scares me. I'm not going to lie because I really want him to succeed. And I really am scared that will not happen in New Orleans. I'm just being completely honest. I am really scared that will not happen in New Orleans. We'll see. Could change. Could change. We'll see. Now, at the third pick, New York Knicks. And we're going to jump into y'all next because we're going to go into a whole other segment just about New York sports, period. I seen New York Knicks fans saying, it's over. We suck. We ain't getting Zion. I understand, bro, because I'm, I'm a Hawks fan. We had a 10% chance of, get, chance of getting the first pick of the, of the draft. Matter of fact, I'm a Hawks and Lakers fan. So really, we both had, as it looks like, a pretty good chance at getting the top, the top pick, honestly. So obviously, we all wanted Zion. We get it. But worst case scenario, if you do end up, if you don't get AD, and you do end up with a, you know, a situation where you have RJ, I mean, that's not a horrible situation. A lot of people don't remember coming out of high school last year, RJ was prospected to be the, the first pick this year. He was. RJ scored the most single points in a freshman season in ACC history. A lot of people forget that. He scored more points than Zion. Granted, Zion was hurt for like two weeks, so we understand that. But still, RJ Barrett scored the most points in ACC school history in a year, in ACC conference history. So let's not act like RJ Barrett is a scrub. Just for New York fans. He's not a scrub. He's a good player. Obviously, we want a Zion. We get it. But you're not in a horrible situation if you get Zion. I mean, if you get RJ. Sorry. Now, I also want to talk about idiots saying Zion should go back to college because he shouldn't go to New Orleans. That is about the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. For one, he's probably going to sign a $100 million deal with a shoe company Probably within the next month or two here. Automatic money off the books. And then New Orleans is going to give him 30 to 40 signing guarantee bonus right then and there. You're telling me this man's going to pass up on $140 million a year for one more year at Duke? I don't care where I'm at. You can put me in. What's the most unentertained city probably in the NBA? Probably Utah, probably Oklahoma City, something like that. You can put me there. If you can give me $140 million, guess what, buddy? I'm going to be there regardless. So the talk about him going back to Duke is stupid. Um, it, and his dad, I mean, his stepdad killed that noise this morning. I'm glad he did. He's not going back to Duke. Now, at first, I was of the notion that Zion maybe should even try to pull Eli Manor. And then I thought about it. I said, you know what? That's not that kid's character. He just wants to play. Now, at first... Do, can I can I keep it real with y'all? This talks with T time, so we gonna keep it real. You could tell when he first found out he was going to New Orleans, he was sick. He did not want to go to New Orleans. Everybody could see it on his face, like, yeah, don't really want to go there. But then when you sleep on it, in a few months you're gonna be a hundred and forty million dollar man. I mean, is it gonna hurt that bad to be in New Orleans and you're gonna be a hundred forty million dollar man? 
You can go on Bourbon Street. I'm not going to complain if I'm a $140 million man living in New Orleans. That's just me being straight up. I don't even like the city of New Orleans, but I'm not going to complain about $140 million. Now, a lot of people complain about the market, right? The market. Everybody said, well, if he went up to L.A. or New York, he'd have been a $200 million man. Nowadays, if you really think about it, you can build your own brand as a player. Think about LeBron. LeBron was in Cleveland. Do you think people really want to go stay up in Cleveland, Ohio? No offense to my cousins, Bruce and Bam, that probably are listening to this podcast. Love y'all. But don't nobody wants to go live in Cleveland. Let's just be straight. A million-dollar man don't want to go live in no Cleveland. Let's just be completely honest. Let's just put it out there. He's not going to want to go live in, in Cleveland. That's just not happening. But you see how rich LeBron has became and how he's marketed himself in Cleveland. Now, I do think the move to Miami did help a little bit with his marketing. I would agree with that. And, the, and the, obviously, the L.A. move, huge help with marketing. But if Zion really becomes the face of the franchise, I don't think it's going to matter where he's at. If he becomes the face of the, face of the lead, it's not going to really matter. So the whole market BS, I, I, I think that's crap, and I'm calling it crap. I don't think you have to be in New York or L.A. or Chicago to be a superstar. Because that's what a lot of older media people think. Oh, if you're in New York or L.A., you, you're going to be fine. You're going to be this big superstar mogul. Da, da, da. I don't really technically believe in that, personally. If you're a baller, look at the Greek freak. Milwaukee? Is that some huge... You know, huge destination spot. Is that some huge market? I see this guy on Hulu commercials every day. It's another commercial he has out too, besides the Hulu one. But that's the one I'm just using for right now. And you can't tell me somebody like the Greek freak right now is more marketable. Let me think of somebody that's in a big city, that's in a big market. Really, nobody really good right now is in a big market. So let, I, I'll give you this. Let's just say I want to use somebody that's kind of marketable, though. Because mm, Greek Freak is very marketable. So that's one thing about him already. Let's just say Kevin Durant. Let's just use Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is in San Francisco. Pretty, that's a pretty large city, right? I think we all can agree on that. Who would you say is on more commercials right now, Kevin Durant or Greek Freak? I know the answer, and you know it, too. The Greek freak is. That's my point. It doesn't matter where you're at. It's about what you're doing when you're there. And I think that's kind of important to the whole market standpoint. So the point about being in a big market, I think that's a load of, of, of crap. I'm just going to be straight up. It's a load of crap. It is. I don't really agree with it. So that's my personal opinion on that. But since we're talking about big time market cities, we're going to talk about the biggest city in the United States of America. The, 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 the Big Apple. Um, we got to talk about that. We're going to talk, talk about that in just a second here. What's up, you guys? And we are back on Talks with T-Time Podcast, man, episode number eight. And we talked a little bit about New York sports. Um, I just want to go ahead and give a precursor now to my family members in New York, Aunt Tammy, Aunt Regina, all my cousins. I'm sorry. But I got to get on y'all New York teams, man. I really hate to do this. But we got to have a conversation about New York luck. The city of, of hope. 
the Big Apple. We got to have a conversation about New York teams, man, and their luck. I mean, obviously, we're going to start off, obviously, with the NBA lottery. The New York Knicks, let's talk about them a little bit. The New York Knicks have not been relevant since Carmelo Anthony left. What was that, 2013, 2014? So we're going on about six years of them being irrelevant. They never have luck in the free agency. Every big free agency season I can think of, New York Knicks fans, oh my God, we're going to land LeBron James. Oh my God, we're going to land, I'm not even believing they're going to land Kevin Durant and, and Kyrie Irving yet. I'm going to be honest, just because the New York Knicks luck. The New York Knicks have not been relevant since 2013. All right, let's just let's have a real conversation here. They have not been relevant for a long time. All right. The New York Knicks is probably half because of James Dolan, which who I believe is the worst owner in all professional sports. I mean, the guy is horrible. Great businessman, but a horrible owner. Let's just be honest. The Knicks, I, they are probably the most unluckiest out of all the New York teams I'm talking about right now. Well, mm, we'll get into the next team next in New York. But if you really think about it, no New York team has really been relevant besides the Yankees in the last two years. I'll give them that because they're pretty good this year and they were real good last year with Aaron Judge coming on the scene. But if you really think about it, for the past few years, New York teams have been kind of trash. I mean, let's talk about the New York Knicks. I mean, the New York, uh, the New York Knicks a little bit. Let's talk about them. Like I said, they haven't won a lottery draft in a long time. They haven't won the first pick since Patrick Ewing. So we're talking like 85, back in the 80s. They haven't been to the playoffs since 2013. The last big-time free agent they landed was Carmelo Anthony. You went through the whole saga with, uh, you know, you know, with uh, Dolan and, you know, I think they had Derek Fisher at point, one point. Just all that mess. You went through that in like the 2015-2016 area. I mean, the New York Knicks are and have always been a laughing stock to me. Personally, like I said, I want to apologize to all my New York Knicks fans now because my cousins are New York Knicks fans. My aunts are probably New York Knicks fans. Matter of fact, my personal trainer, Rail, shout out to him. Eat greedy. He's a New York Knicks fan. So I know you New York Knicks fans are out there and I, I really at this point feel bad. I really do. I really feel bad for all y'all done went through. I do. I mean, I literally feel bad right now for y'all. The Phil Jackson saga, I forgot all about that. I forgot all about Phil Jackson. That was a mess in itself. I forgot about the Phil Jackson situation. I really did. They had that whole stuff going on. So New York Knicks have been a very poorly ran franchise for the last few years now. And they're just going to continue to disappoint. Now, I'll be interested to see what happens on July 1st. 
But I don't I, I, I still don't trust in them. I still think some way, somehow, they're they're like the Dallas Cowboys. They're like the Dallas Cowboys of the NBA. Some way, somehow, they'll find a way to, to mess it up. They will. They'll find a way. And then you have the Brooklyn Nets. Now, the Brooklyn Nets is probably right now, besides the Yankees, the best team in New York. And But is the New York Knicks going to win a championship? No, they're not. The New York, I mean, the Brooklyn Nets are not winning a championship. They're not. They're still a few pieces away from winning a championship. Probably about two superstars away from winning a championship. A lot of good role players. They're kind of similar to the Clippers. Very similar to the Clippers, actually. Kind of the little brother of the city. But they have some good role players, but they're not winning a championship no time soon. Let's just be honest. The Brooklyn Nets are not winning a championship probably in the next five years. I'm just being real. They're not winning a championship in the next five years, more than likely. And then we talk about the New York Jets. Another failure of a franchise in New York City. I think the last time the New York Jets was in the playoffs was 2014-ish. I want to say the 2014-ish when Rex Ryan was there and had them at the helm. The New York Jets have been irrelevant for a long time as well. About the same, really about the same amount of time as the New York Knicks, honestly. They've been irrelevant to me. To be honest, they've been irrelevant, very irrelevant. And then they have this whole situation going on with Adam Gaze now, which is a mess where he basically just got the GM fired and the GM is the one who hired him three months ago. They are a mess. And I feel bad for Le'Veon Bell and C.J. Mosley, those guys that just got there, you know, those guys are thinking, okay, we coming to change the culture. And then that happens. It's funny how life changes. It really is. And I really feel bad for them. I mean, I mean that to the bottom of my heart. I really feel bad for the new Jets players, because they actually are building a, a good nucleus. But, I mean, to be honest, if we're being completely honest, the Jets are looking to be horrible again this year because of mismanagement. For one, Adam Gaze is your coach. I mean, that should be enough. Adam Gaze is your coach. Like, I don't even know any other way I can say that. Oh, and I was wrong. I was wrong about something. I said the Jets. I said the Jets last time they were in the playoffs was 2014. I'm so sorry. I am so wrong. I apologize. You want to know the last time the Jets was in the playoffs? 2011. We talking eight years ago. We talking eight years ago, man. 2011 was the last time they were in the playoffs. New York teams, y'all got to do better. And don't even get me started on them New York football giants. Now, they did go to the playoffs at least about three years ago. Or was that two years ago? 
it was two years ago, because that's when, you know, Odell Beckham and and Sterling Shepard and all that was on the boat with Trey Songs and all that in Miami the week before the playoff game. So it was it was 2017 or 16. But the Giants, for the most part, especially in the last two years, have been a laughing stock. I don't even want to talk about, I don't even want to talk about, honestly, their draft. We're not even going to get back into that again. Because you know, if we get into that draft situation, I'm going to be going all day. I'm going to be going all day. And the crazy thing about that is that before 2016, because that's the year that they made it to the playoffs, before that, and I think they lost to the Green Bay Packers, before that, they hadn't been to the playoffs since 2011. They had not been to the playoffs since 2011, so the same year as the Jets. So once again, another team almost going on eight years making it to the playoffs. That's ridiculous. The Mets haven't been relevant for years. I can't even remember the last time the Mets have been relevant. And the Yankees are just starting to get it back relevant in the last two or three years here. I feel like we have to have a real conversation. We got to have a real conversation. New York is supposed to be the center of America, right? The center of the world. Everything comes and goes through New York. The Mecca of the world. The Mecca of the United States, right? Then why y'all can't put on a productive football and basketball team? Brooklyn Nets, they all right. The Knicks, trash. Have been trash, basically, like I said, for the last eight or nine years. The New York Giants, trash, have been trash besides 2016 for the last eight or nine years again. Now, granted, they do have two Super Bowls in the last, what, 10 years, roughly. So I'll give them that. But, I mean, the Jets, don't even get me started on them. Their Rex Ryan years are way done over. And they have still not been able to get back on track. So for them to be the mecca of the world, I need these New York teams to pull it together, man. I really do. I need y'all to pull it together. Because right now, all the time, I'm from New York. I pull for the Jets. I pull for the Giants. Man, listen. Your team has been irrelevant for the last 10 years, especially if you pull for the Knicks. I'm just being completely honest. Your team has been irrelevant more than likely for the last 10 years. That's all I really had to say, man. I just had to, I had to take a little dig at New York sports, period, because I thought about that. I said, yo, New York sports has really struggled in the last 10, 15 years. And I wasn't going to come on here and do no stupid Timberland, you know, Tim's joke. That's dumb. That's, that's corny. But I did have to come on here and give the facts. New York sports needs to step up. I feel bad for New York sports fans. I feel bad. I never thought me out of all people would say I feel bad for New York natives. Because you guys, sports sucks. And life is already hard. But when your sports teams suck, and probably more than likely all of them, besides the New York Islanders, forgot about them. They're always decent, but who cares about hockey like that? It's not one of the top three main sports, is what I mean. 
Life just sucks more when all your teams suck. That's just the facts. Life just sucks a tad bit more when all your teams suck. So I feel for you, you New York, uh, New York natives. I really do. And I'm praying that your teams get better. But next, I want to jump into a little bit of college football. We're 100 days away. And we're going to talk about a discussion that Mac Brown brought up. And I want to talk about a sleeping giant in college football. So we're going to get into that next. What's up, you guys? And we are back on Talks with Tea Time episode eight. Wow, eight already, man. So we're in episode eight, man. And we're 100 days away from the love of my life. I'm sorry, Brigella. I know you're going to be probably upset when you hear this. I still love you more. But college football is exactly 100 days away from today. And I just wanted to bring up, like I said, I got to talk about college football for a little minute. We ain't going to do it for long, but we got to do it for a little bit. So, you know, there was some news that came out. This really, I heard it like two weeks ago, so I don't even know why people are just now hearing it. But Matt Brown, which is the new, you know, Chapel Hill coach, um, well, old and new. He left Chapel Hill, went to Texas, came back to Chapel Hill. Um, but he went out on the record and said he can beat, he feels like this year, and they play this year, and I'll be at that game, um, that the UNC Tar Heels can beat Clemson this year. I love the confidence. And with me being a Clemson fan, I mean, obviously, I know he's just talking for confidence reasons. I understand. I mean, you can't expect him to come out and say, yeah, we're going to get blown out by Clemson. We're going to just lay down. If you're a competitor, that's just, that's not happening. Even if you know you're going to get blown out, which I believe they will, but you have to have that belief in your players that we can beat them. They put on their pants just like us. So I, and me being a Clemson fan, I had no problem whatsoever with what he said. Because that's the confidence that you should instill in your team and your players and your coaches. They should all feel like when they play Clemson, I think September 23rd or something like that. I can't remember the exact date. But when they play Clemson, they should feel like we can win this game. That's how you should feel as a football player. If you feel like you shouldn't even be on the field, you can't even stay on the field with these guys, you shouldn't even be playing. All right? Because that's how you get hurt. So he's just telling his guys, I believe in y'all. And I mean, Mac will uh Mac Brown has did a great job recruiting. I mean, I think he has like a top 10 class right now in 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 the in the in the United States. Like they're up there with Clemson, Alabama, Oregon, all they're up there with them right now recruiting for 2020. So let's not act like they're not doing special things at UNC. I definitely think they can become the best team in the state of North Carolina. And this is probably something we'll probably more so jump into on my other podcast with my boy Jarrell. Shout out to Jarrell um, over at All Things College Football. We'll bring that back in, the, in, in probably the end of the summer, beginning of the fall. But Mac Brown is not wrong for what he said. That's what you're supposed to say. You're supposed to believe in your guys. You're supposed to believe that you can win every game you suit up for. Now, do human, human realistic, do we really think that? No, but you're supposed to feel that way when you step on the field every time. So I had no problem with what he said about them having a chance to beat Clemson because they do. They put on pants just like Clemson's players does. So they definitely have a chance of beating them. They're human. But I do want to talk about a sleeping giant in college football. And I've been thinking this was a sleeping giant really for like the last 10 years. And it was a YouTube video out that I actually seen 
that talked about the sleeping giant. And like I said, this is a team that I always has felt was a sleeping giant, really for the last, really like 10 years, just because of location, where they're at, all the players are right there in their backyard. So that's one reason why I thought this team was a sleeping giant. Always. I've always thought this team was a sleeping giant. I mean, truly, honestly, I always thought this team was a sleeping giant. And I want to give the I want to give the 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 YouTube channel their credit. Their name is Delate Kicks. So I did want to just give them their credit and make sure I gave them the recognition because they're the one that kind of brought this to my attention. But I've always kind of felt this way about them. And you guys should go check them out at the Late Kicks uh, YouTube. They talked about Georgia Tech as a sleeping giant in college football. And I completely 100% agree. Anybody that knows me knows I love the city of Atlanta. That's where I plan to raise my family and my kids. That's where I plan on move, moving in the nearby future. Beautiful city. Gorgeous. Atlanta, Georgia is literally probably, if you really want to be completely honest, the heart of college football. The College Football Hall of Fame is down there. Um, a lot of the awards that take place for college football take place in Atlanta. Um, the Peach Bowl is a big bowl. It's down there. College football is huge in Atlanta, Georgia. And in that area, period, in the Southeast period, college football is huge. But Atlanta, Georgia is kind of like the home of college football, to me at least. That's how it's always felt. If, if we had to choose one home for just college football, it would be Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta, Georgia is a beautiful place. It's a very vibrant city. It's, it's what I call Black Hollywood. And football, especially high school football, is huge in Atlanta, Georgia, and in that surrounding area, just in Georgia, period. And the crazy thing is Georgia Tech sits right off 14th Street, 14th Ave, in North Ave, in Midtown, in Atlanta, Georgia, right in downtown Atlanta. Literally, skyscrapers in the backyard. Beautiful, probably, and I've always said it's probably one of the beautifulest stadiums I've ever been in is Bobby Dabb Stadium. Bobby Dobb Stadium, excuse me. Beautiful stadium. Matter of fact, I want to go there this past year when Clemson played there, but something came up and we didn't get to go. Georgia Tech with Jeff Collins is a sleeping giant. And I'm going to tell you a few reasons why. For one... Atlanta, once again, is just a beautiful place to be. It's a beautiful city. Traffic is horrible. Yeah, we know that. But it's a beautiful city with a lot of opportunities. Also as well, the high school football prospects there, they're in your backyard. Trevor Lawrence, 45 minutes up the road in Cartersville. Deshaun Watson, 35 to 45 minutes up in Gangsville. I mean... We're in, you're in the backyard of, of legends. I mean, you're in the Cam Newton College Park, 20 minutes away, 20 minutes down the road. When we're talking about guys of that caliber, 
right there in the city. I mean, Georgia, especially the just Atlanta area, is flooded with high school, college football prospects. I mean, it's flooded. I mean, if you talk about the Kennesaw, Georgia, uh, you know, Marietta, um, I don't, uh, what's the guy that just went to uh, Oklahoma this past year? Why was Jaden Hazelwood from Ellenwood, right outside the city, 15, 20 minutes away. I mean, you have all those players all over the city of Atlanta. I mean, North Atlanta. I mean, Chamberlain, Kennesaw, Swanee, um, Decatur. I mean, it's just football players galore everywhere. College Park, Mableton, Sandy Springs. I mean, there is football players in your backyard that you can go to their house on a recruiting visit every day. And I think Jeff Collins is I think Jeff Collins is gonna change the, the program. I believe because I've I've seen the potential of Georgia Tech under Paul Johnson. That offense was just never gonna work. But now with this new generated offense, I think it can really work for them building a sleeping giant. I really do. Atlanta's a great place to be. And I'm telling you, it's probably the e- it should be one of the easiest places to recruit. Now, pause. I know you guys are saying, well, you can't really do that because Georgia is 45 minutes away in Athens, and then Clemson's done but an hour and 25 minutes away, and then Auburn's done but an hour and 20 minutes away, and then Bama's only two and a half hours away from us. But if you can start getting those guys to stay home, say, hey, man, look, stay right here in Atlanta. You can, your family going to keep come and see you every game. That could be a key factor from people going to Clemson and Bama and and Florida and if Georgia Tech can just build a culture I don't see why they can't become a top program now the other excuse I hear a lot is their academic program is hard to get in there yeah 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 look at Stanford Stanford is one of the hardest colleges to get into in the country every year they're like 10 and 2 9 and 3 they're consistent every year Every year they're 10 and 2, 9 and 3. Even Duke back in 2014, 2013 had some good runs when they were 9 and 3, 10 and 2, playing in the Peach Bowl every year. So I don't want to hear the excuse that that's a smart school, they can't get good because it's a hard school to get in. That's bull crap. Because Stanford is probably the hard, or one of the hardest schools to get into the country. And they've built a productive program year in year out. I can't remember the last time Stanford had like a six-win season. Because they've been so productive, or seven-win season even. They've been so productive every year. Every year they're in the top 25. At least eight or nine wins. Every year. Especially since uh, Hale has been at the home. Or David Shaw, since he's been there. They've been consistent every year. So the whole thing with you got to be at a school that's not a, a, a prestige college is bull crap. You can make it work at Georgia Tech in Atlanta and build a nine, ten, ten, uh, a nine to ten win team every year. I think Georgia Tech is a sleeping giant. If Jeff Collins uses this opportunity right, he can he can I'm telling you, he can hit a goal. He can hit goal right here. 
If they can use this right, recruit better in the state of Georgia and especially in the Atlanta area, they have hit gold. I've already seen they've already signed a few four-star prospects this year. This is his first year there. He only been there like four months. Definitely something that we're going to have to watch out for. I'm telling you now, I wouldn't be surprised if Jordan, Jordan, uh, Georgia Tech is a sleeper in the next three years, two or three years here. I wanted to have a conversation about that just since it's 100 days away from college football. Next, we got to jump into these these rappers getting shot at. And I I want to cover this abortion thing. I do. Slightly, but I want to cover it. We're going to jump into that next. What's up, you guys? And now we're in the popular culture segment of the podcast, Talks with T-Time. Let's jump into it, man. I want to get right to this whole, um, you know, rappers getting shot at thing. It's been a crazy week for rappers. YFL Lucci. Um, G-Wagon was shot up in Atlanta on Friday night. Um, one person was injured, but apparently Lucci wasn't, you know, injured or anything like that. But one person in the car was injured. And then also as well, Yo Gotti's tour bus was shot up in Nashville over the weekend. So another big incident. And then also as well, NBA Youngboy. Matter of fact, when we had dropped the podcast last time, I think it was on Sunday, Right after that, is like literally like 20 minutes after I dropped the podcast, is when the whole NBA Youngboy thing broke about, you know, his girlfriend getting shot in the car and they, apparently something was going on between him and T Grizzly, things such as that. Kodak Black has been arrested again at Rolling Loud, which I think we talked about that last time. He was arrested at Rolling Loud on Saturday night. And... You know, I just want to talk about these rappers getting shot at a little bit, man. Like, this is what I've always said. You have to be careful of the company you keep around you, and you have to always be aware of your surroundings, right? These guys are millionaires that basically came from nothing. So a lot of the people that are around them are street hood guys. I mean, let's be real. And you kind of do it... If you're a breadwinner and you're talking that tough talk, you kind of have to keep those people around you just in case something like that does happen. So I understand why they keep those people around them. But for you rappers, man, please, please stay safe out here, man. We don't want to see anybody. I'm not, I, I don't like young. I'm going to be honest. I don't like NBA young boy. Don't like none of his music, but I don't want to see a young man dead. I don't. I've never really been a big fan of Yo Gotti, honestly. Don't want to see him dead either. He's a legend in Memphis, regardless if you like him or not. These guys, and also, Key Glock was arrested this weekend. So just a lot taking place down there in Florida at Rolling Loud. There was some rumors about them coming to New York next year or, or the, this fall. That's going to be crazy because that's going to be another time where a lot of people are getting arrested. Because if you do anything wrong in New York City, they're going to arrest you. Point blank period, they're not going to hold back. If you breathe the wrong way in New York City, they're going to arrest you. All right. So I'm just praying for all those rappers. Lucci, once again, oh, that's crazy that all these rappers I'm naming, I'm not huge fans of. People know I, I, Lucci annoys the crap out of me, but I do not want to see that man dead. I do not want to see that man dead. So let's just continue to play for the rappers out here and the entertainers out here. It's been a crazy situation. Now, this subject I'm going to just jump into and I'm not going to. 
This is a very sensitive top topic, so I want to be sensitive. So there was a abortion law last week, really, passed in Georgia. And there was also an abortion law passed in Alabama, actually two days ago. Now, me personally, I don't like to get political. And I and like I said, I just want to say how I feel. I'm not even going to jump into the political side of things. And I'm going to keep this short and simple. A man. 25 men should not be able to tell a woman what to do with their body. I'll be straight up that there's no other way around it. There's no way 25 men should be able to tell one woman to do what to do with their body. Now, I'm not going against who, you know, who believes in abortion. I'm not even jumping in that political stuff today. I'm not doing that. I that this is literally all I want to say about this topic and then I'm done. 25 men should not be able to decide what one woman does with their body. It's unacceptable. I'm not saying I believe in abortions. I'm not saying I'm not believing in abortion. To be quite honest, it ain't none of my damn business what a woman does with her with her, her body. Honestly, it's not. It's really not none of my business. If she wants to get an abortion and it's legal, that's on her. It is none of my business what a woman wants to do with her body. And honestly, it should be none of them 25 people up in that in that courtroom's business either. To be straight up. And that's all I had to say, man, That on that whole subject. I don't even want to jump into the political things of things, but that's just how I feel. So especially as me being a male, I want to be careful about how, because I kind of don't even feel like that's my place to speak on something like that, you know, but I want to stand up for the women that do want equality and things such as that. And they, cause I feel like women are the most unprotected people on this planet, honestly. And I, and, and women of color, mostly are the really most unprotected people on this planet. So I definitely want to have a voice for them. But this is the end of episode eight. Talks with Tea Time, man. I feel like this was probably my favorite episode, to be honest. We digged into a lot of stuff that I love talking about. I need you guys to continue to subscribe, continue to show the love, continue to appreciate. Love y'all, man. See you later.